I want to share with you something this morning. Um, I know that by God's grace, we have said that October is our month of solutions and answers. And as exciting as that is, there are certain kinds of messages we must hear. So as to properly position us in that place where we effortlessly walk in realms of solutions and answers. Amen. Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9 verse 28. Luke chapter 9 verse 28. The Bible is just underline Peter, John, and James. Underline Peter, John, and James. The Bible is yours. Underline Peter, John, and James. If you didn't bring your Bible to it as well, repentance is here for you. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. And as he prayed, as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered. His raiment was white and glistering. And behold, there talked with him two men with Moses and Elijah, mm. who appeared in glory in the spirit of this is what he should accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory, and the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass, as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for me, and one for Moses, and one for Elias, not knowing what he said. While Peter spake, there came a cloud and was shadowed them. They hear as they enter the cloud. There came a voice out of the cloud saying, 
This is my beloved son. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Somebody say, This is my beloved son. Say, Hear him. Okay. This is Jesus, and the Bible says they are climbing to the top of the mountain. And Jesus is going with Peter, James, and John. And they are going to witness one of the greatest things that happened in the life and ministry of Jesus. Where his physical appearance changes, and where the Bible says, even what he was wearing receives a touch of supernatural glory that changes physically for all to see. The last time I checked, I thought that Jesus has 12 disciples. How come on this occasion he's going with three disciples? Now, before you get to this point in Scripture, in the same chapter 9 of Luke, there's a story of Jesus multiplying bread and multiplying fish. And Jesus is feeding the multitudes with the bread and the fish he just multiplied. In the same, of Luke, same chapter of Luke 9, when he comes down after that story, he's now having a conversation with the 12 disciples and he's asking them, who do men say I am? And they are talking. Some said you are this, some said you are that. And Peter says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And this information that you have just uncovered, don't tell anyone. Keep it to yourself. Now, any careful study of the Bible will let you understand that Jesus had different types and different groupings of disciples. He has what you call the multitudes. Somebody say the multitude. He has what you call the seventy. He has what you call the 12, and within the 12, he has what you call the 3. The multitudes are only interested in bread and interested in what Jesus can do for them. They are only around him for as long as bread remains, for as long as he is still able to multiply fish and multiply bread, the multitude will be at present or will be there. There are levels of intimacy that he doesn't show to the multitude, he will only show to the 12. And that is where they begin to uncover who he is, that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. Yet still, within that world, there is a level of exposure to who he is that he never shows to everybody, but shows to those who are set apart from that world. That is the three, Peter, James, and John. And every time Jesus wants to do something spectacular, or wants to reveal something deep, he calls these three and reveals it to them. There are levels of intimacy with God, and there are many here who are in church today who are at different junctions of these levels. Some of us are at the level of the multitude, where we are only interested in the bread that he gives us. I feel like I'm talking to somebody now. Where we are only interested in God for as long as he solves our problems, and for as long as he answers the requests that are upon our hearts. When the, the day the bread stops, that is the day our love for him begins to grow cold. The day the bread ceases is the day we begin to question his existence. And you see, for those who are at the level where they are in the midst of the multitude, God is only faithful to them for as long as God gives them bread to eat. But they've forgotten that the Bible says that um, it, when Jesus was teaching um, the Lord's Prayer, he says, he says, he says um, give us this day our daily bread. But he doesn't end there. When you continue, he says, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. There are those who are able to wait beyond the bread level and tap to the point where they begin to experience the kingdom, the glory and the power of the Lord. And that is those who are set apart from the midst of the crowd. Those who are in the multitude can only pray when we are all praying together. I came for somebody this morning. 
They can only read the Bible if they are reading it together. They have never come to the point of intimacy where they can call God when they are alone, in their rooms, in their bedrooms, in their cars alone, praying and believing God for something, believing God for a touch. That is beyond just bread. You see, when you come to the point of the three or the one where you are one-on-one with God, whether or not he gives you bread, he's still your God. Whether or not he gives you fish, he's still your God. Your love for him is not dependent on what he does for you. Your love for him is dependent on who he is and what he has done for you. Somebody say, I hear you. Now the Bible says that there was a man called Jacob who was um, through some means a recipient of blessings from his father. And after that he left to go and service his, his uncle. He was coming back and the Lord had multiplied him greatly. In fact, he was so greatly multiplied that when he was coming to meet his brother Esau, he divided what he had into two. He divided his, his possessions and his people into two groups and told them that per adventure, if Esau attacks one group, the other group can run and they will be saved. That's how many they were. And the Bible says he called 15 out of that many people and began a journey with them. The 15 were his two wives, his, his two sons, and his servants. 15 of them, including himself. They get to a place on that journey, then he drops the 15 and begins to go alone. And the Bible says when he was alone, that is when God came and wrestled with him. After wrestling with him, his identity changes, his name changes, and the blessing that his father has pronounced upon him begins to receive life and begin to receive manifestation in his life. Are you with me now? Why didn't God wrestle with him in the midst of the multitude? Why didn't God come when there were many? Why didn't God come when there were 15? God only came when he was alone. There are some of us, the Lord has been crying and calling out for our attention, but we are too busy with things. Too busy with business. Too busy with, with the, the things of the ministry. There are people who are even more concerned about church than the one who created church. They are, they are, they think, you see, listen to me, you cannot be more concerned about the work than the God of the work. You cannot, you cannot. But there are people who are so busy with even the work of ministry that they don't make time, they never make time for God. They are so concerned about preaching and concerned about, about singing that they make all the time for, for rehearsals and all the time for, for, for arranging the songs and uh, pro- progressions and all the harmonies and melodies and ensuring that they are in sync and everything is on point, that the God factor of the whole thing is left aside. And that is why in our generation, you can find people who sing so well, the music is so arranged but God is absent in it because when they should have been waiting one on one with him for a certain covering for a certain tabernacling of his power they were just there in the midst of the multitude you God would see the jealousy of God is such that he would demand your attention and demand to call you out from the midst of the multitude if you are in church this morning and God is your God only when he does things for you, that must tell you where you are on your journey with him. Am I talking to somebody this morning? That must tell you where you are. If, if he's only your God when he gives you bread. Look, the Bible says Jesus entered a place the other day. He entered a home. There was Mary and there was Martha. And he sat down to speak to them. And, and as he spoke, Mary was seated listening to what Jesus was saying. Martha was busy 
doing things and going about and, and, and trying to sort things out because Jesus had come. And, and, and she even came to complain to Jesus that, uh, would you not tell my sister to come and help me? Because you are a visitor, you are a guest. We need to serve you bread. We need to serve you water. What she didn't realize is that she was trying hard to serve bread to the living bread and trying hard to serve water to the living water. But Jesus himself was present and Jesus said something to her. She said, "You, what your sister has chosen is that which is needful. Because Jesus already told the devil the other day in Matthew 4 that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeded out of my mouth. So God, Jesus knew that Mary had chosen that word that comes out of his mouth that will give her the ability to withstand whatever wiles the enemy will throw. You can eat all the bread in this generation but if you don't have the bread of life, you won't survive. You won't survive. The question is, are we the martyrs of this world or are we the Marys of this world? Hallelujah. Intimacy. God is looking for you. Tell somebody God is looking for you. Yeah. You are busy with work. Busy. When was the last time you just gave yourself time and said, to this, this for the next 30 minutes, it's just me and God. When was the last time? It's just me and my God. He, 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 he is he's ministering to your heart. He's, you, are just eating, you are just listening. You are just waiting in the spirit with him. Sometimes, see, when, when you have not built that ability to wait on God like that, there are things that will not look like blessings to you, but they're actually blessings. Let me give you an example. I'll just tell you about Jacob. When Jacob was walking alone, Jacob got to a place where he was walking. He was normal. Everything was fine. And then he encountered God. And the Bible says, as they fought, as they wrestled, his hip socket was dislocated. Did you read that one in your Bible? When your hip is dislocated, your walking must necessarily change. Which means that the way he walked going before the wrestling match was not the same way he walked returning from that wrestling match. Are you with me now? Now, when he was returning, he's likely to have been limping because he had been dislocated. Now, a person who is not spiritual, if you ask the person, between Jacob's going and the limping version of Jacob, which of them looks like a blessed Jacob? Everybody would think that the one that is walking upright and walking fine must necessarily be the one that is blessed. But unbeknownst to the unlearned mind, it is actually the limping version of Jacob which is blessed. Because there are times that when God brings you into the place of intimacy, he will touch you in a place that will hurt you so that he will break you. That is what the Bible calls a contrite and a broken spirit. I feel like I'm talking to somebody this morning. If everything seems perfect around you, it is not always the case that you are upright and everything is fine before God. And everything is fine around. There are times God must necessarily shift some bones and shift some people. You see, his jealousy would necessitate the creation of a situation where no man or no situation is lifted above him in your life. So when a man is walking in a place where he is almost becoming your God, God would fashion a strategy to take them out of that space so that you now come to the place where you look up unto him. Like the psalmist said, I lift up my head to the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord. So that you begin to become 
positioned in a place where you receive his mercy. Why? The Bible says his grace is made sufficient in our weakness. Where there is no weakness, there is no attraction for his grace. There are three of them set apart. You can talk about Moses. Moses was royalty. You can call it pseudo-royalty, but he was royalty. In Egypt, enjoying the fine things. And then one day, he kills somebody and run, he's, he's, he's gone. He's, he's running away. He now begins to tend the sheep or the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. And as he's tending and he's alone, the Bible says the Lord appeared to him in a burning bush. You are too busy for God's attention. God is trying, but you are busy. Tell somebody you are busy. You are too busy. If you are not comfortable with being alone, you are not comfortable for a certain dimension of God's incubation. You are not. Some of us must always have somebody around you. You must always have somebody to talk to. Are you okay? There must always, you must be comfortable being alone because you see, separation is necessary for elevation. If you are in the midst of the people, the Lord can't raise you to bring a word to the people in whom you are dwelling, in whose midst you are dwelling. The Lord will cause you to be set apart and he will work on you, take you, take you through a process. After that, when you come back, you are clearly dissimilar from the people you have brought the word to. Hallelujah. Tell somebody, God is looking for you. See, when, when you come to that place, you don't struggle for solutions and answers. The problem is, many of us don't really care about God. We only care about what he will do for us. We are only interested in him for as long as he's solving a certain problem. In fact, that is the reason why many people come to church. And if that is your motivation for being here, the day that problem is solved, we will not see you again. Because what else will drive you to be in church? Mm. It's still a month of solutions and answers. But I want you to understand how the solutions and answers will come and will keep you. And you'll be preserved. And your life will be intact. Your love will be unshaken. Your connection and intimacy unbroken. When you come to the place to learn how to be with him, how to dwell with him, how to commune with him. Listen, I'm not talking about being a pastor here. I'm talking about being a Christian. Yeah. This is, these are not things for pastors. These are things for a Christian. You stop. There's nothing like normal Christian. I mean, I was driving the other day and I saw a certain church poster. And... You know, they are written services, various services, like Sunday service. And the Sunday service, they are written normal Sunday service. And as soon as I saw it, I, 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 I didn't understand what would they mean by normal Sunday service. You know, that's the mentality with which many of us worship God. Normal Christian. What does it mean? The Lord knows his own. How many of you know that one? Yeah. He knows his own. The Bible says something. It says, it says, it says the, the secrets of the Lord are with them that fear him. Which means two things. Number one, which means God has secrets. Yeah? 
and number two, which means that those things that are hitherto secret become revealed to those who fear the Lord. I'm not talking about like when you see God coming, you are running away. No, I'm talking about a certain heightened dependence on God and on the Spirit so much so that you, you, there are things you won't do. There and only then do you have the secrets of the Lord revealed. Scripture says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Nobody can claim to be wise outside the ambit of the fear of God. When you fear God, there are things you won't say. There are things you won't do. There are places you will never go. Your feet cannot drag you to a place your, your, your spirit man does not approve of when you fear the Lord. But the lie we have been told is we are all normal Christians. And so everybody is doing it, so we must all do it. The fear of them. They that dwell in the secret place of the Most High shall abide. And he says, they that dwell. Dwell doesn't mean you occasional visitors. It means those who dwell. They have made it their home, their habitation. They that dwell in the secret place of the Most High, they shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. When you are dwelling and you are abiding, you don't fear what the enemy can do to you. The Bible says, don't be afraid of he who can kill the flesh. You should be more worried about the one that can kill your soul. That's why me, I don't fear death. Every time I say it, my wife's face changes. I told them, me, I don't fear death. Those people that brought us the scriptures, some of them were sought into two. Some of them, they nailed them upside down. You see, they could have lied and said, I denounce Jesus just to save their lives. But the fear they had for the Lord alone couldn't allow them to lie to save their lives. They didn't care because they had been told by Jesus that those that love their lives will lose it. When you fear God and you are intimate with him, there are things you won't do. Listen, the world will call you names. The world will say you are mad. There is something off about you. There is something unusual about you. But you wouldn't be the first. Even Jesus the Christ, they called him those same things. And if we are supposed to be called Christians like he was the Christ, then we shouldn't be surprised when they start calling us all manner of names. And you'll find people who go, go and do all manner of things. Sunday morning, they'll come and pick microphone and start singing songs and, and singing emotional songs. And because of the grace and the mercy of God, and, and nobody is falling down on pulpits and dying. So people keep misbehaving. Mm. You see, if, you, if there's a template of how to reverence God and honor him and fear him that you should follow, it should be how Jesus walked with his father when he was on earth. Look at the level of honor and reverence he had for God. When Philippians has even told us that he didn't even consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he laid it all down and he says that let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. Even he who was equal, when he was on earth, he related with him in a way that you can see clearly, this is honor. This is reverence. This is the fear of the Lord. 
And the Bible talks about the seven manifestations or the seven spirits of the, of the Lord. And it talks about the last one being the spirit of the fear of the Lord. In other words, when the Holy Spirit is resident on your inside, that you will fear God naturally. You, you see, some, some of us, they need to scare you with hell before you fear God. That's no fear. That, that's not the fear of the Lord. That's fear of hell. Hallelujah. It is sad that in a country like Ghana, where over 70% profess Christianity as their religion, look at the state of our country. Because nobody fears God. We will steal people's money and steal everything that can be stolen. And after we have stolen them, we'll come to church and pay tithe on them. Because we don't fear God. If you fear God, there are thoughts that won't enter your head. There are things you won't tolerate. There are places you cannot be. We have raised a generation that doesn't fear God. And that is, and when we come to church and people tell us fables and, and stories, you see, that is how come every time they are, they are quick to tell us stories of how, of the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob and maybe the God of Paul and, and the God of Peter and all of them. But some way, somehow, you don't find the same dimensions of manifestations of this God in our generation. And it is not like God is asleep. God is actually looking for people who are ready, are sold out and are separated from the generation that he can pour his spirit into to become as those who were of old. And that is why when suddenly the Lord begins to cause strange miracles to happen, people sit somewhere and they doubt it. Because in their mind, they think God is asleep. You are going around sleeping with everybody, but you are in church. You don't fear God. You don't fear God. Separated. You, you can't do what everybody does and be where everybody is. I feel like I'm preaching something this morning that will give me a lot of enemies, but can I preach it? Can I preach it? That will love them genuinely. And follow up time. Listen, when, when there's a genuine love for God in your life, a genuine reverence for God, a, a genuine fear of God, listen to me, I'm telling you, there are things you won't pray for. There are things you will not pray for. Because you are in constant flow with what God is doing. There's a constant constancy of flow and and fellowship between you and God, and you understand what is happening in every season in your life. God still speaks, and God still has men, and God is still raising men. I've told you time without number that God is raising a, 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 an army of young people to dominate, I, I keep telling you, to dominate various industries and various fields. And the enemy understands the season we are in. And so what he is also doing intentionally is to cause them to not focus on what he's doing, on what God is doing. So, so every day there's a new trend. And you find them following foolishly. 
Every new nonsense we are following. Even sharing stuff about the church you belong to is a headache. Because somehow you have a certain image and a certain, you know, to, to, to protect. You don't want people to know that like you are all a church person. Are you serious? You don't fear God. If you fear God, suffer, and, and a seed is raised in this place, you will come and pick the envelope and you never return it because nobody can ask you any question. Nobody can fight you. Me, I will never ask you. I will never chase you. But the God you, you taught to scam, he's looking at you. Separation. Look at someone say, be separated. Separated. Or tell another, be separated. Yeah. It is necessary. Look, if, if, if nothing shifts and changes about your life, you, you must be separated in this month of October. You must be separated. You must be separated. Something must change. You must be separated. Let's often read Genesis 12. Genesis 12. <clears throat> read from one. Read from one. The book of Genesis 12, 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that now, I now, will show you. So God is speaking to Abraham, and God says, get thee out of where? Number one, your country. Number two, your people, or your kindred. And number three, your father's house. Be separated from them, and I will begin to show you where you must go to. Abraham was 75 years at this point, when God was talking to him to be separated. You are not too old to be separated. Hallelujah. You are not. You are not. You are 75. And God told you, now is the time to be separated. Because I want to show you something. And when he left, see, the instructions were clear. Leave your father's house. And it says, leave your country. And it says, leave your people. And when he left, he left his soul. His soul sorry, he left a lot. It's lot not in his father's house. It's not, it's, it's lot not his people. And so even though he left, he didn't live fully like God commanded. He left with Lot. And on the journey, they began to have issues. And God didn't say anything again, just watching them and watching them and watching them. And, and they, they, were, they were fighting because they, they were multiplying together. So they came to the point and they decided, you know what? I think where we have gotten to, there needs to be a separation. So you Lot, choose where you want to go. And let me also go where I need to go. You see, it is not always an issue of um, dislike or hatred when you must be separated from among certain people. Sometimes it is for the purpose of destiny that you must be removed from certain places. Hallelujah. And when they, 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 there was a disconnection between the two of them, and, and Abraham now became separated from Lord. The Bible says, now God came to him and said, lift up your head. For as far as your eyes can see, will I give to you and your descendants. You see, God told him when he was in his father's house that go to a land I will show you. He didn't say anything again, so he was actually separated from everything he had asked him to separate. And then he showed him that land he must go to. There are things God can show you, God can tell you, God can reveal to you when you are in the midst of certain people. Because the weight of the revelation will be compromised by the company you keep. 
or sharpened by the company you keep. And so God will necessarily have to bring you out. Even Jesus, there were days he needed to pray. And the Bible says he will move with the twelve, but he will leave them and go and commune with God alone. When he returns, they are sleeping. And he's asking them, are you not even able to watch with me for just one hour? He left them behind and he went to pray. If you are always looking for somebody to help you pray, there's a problem somewhere. Hallelujah. You need to build your prayer life. One minute at a time. Two minutes at a time. Three minutes at a time. Before long, three minutes will become six minutes. And six will become twelve. And twelve will become fifteen and twenty. But you need to start from somewhere. You may not be able to wake up tomorrow morning and suddenly start praying on your own for one hour. But you need to turn that one minute into two minutes. And the two into four. And suddenly you will grow in it. If you sit and say, I can't do it. And you are just there. You are not growing as a Christian. You are not growing as a child of God. God is more interested in your growth in the spirit than in the money you are looking for. Hallelujah. A spiritually unhealthy person who receives wealth becomes a wealthy, spiritually unhealthy person. Nothing changes. You just added the wealth to the equation. And now you can afford to do things. You can afford a lot of nonsense that you probably couldn't have afforded in the past. I was teaching here when, when, when we were talking about wealth coming, and I told the church, I said, there, there needs to be transformation before you can attract some things. The process where God builds you up is, is, is not, it's not a one day affair. It's not a one day affair. And when, when Jesus sought to move with the three to the top of the mountain, Peter, James, and John, to the top of the mountain, they, they did it. You see, Jesus' Bible has told us already. That the day he went to heaven, he ascended. He didn't go with an airplane. He, he just levitated and kept ascending. Are you with me now? There was a day that he made his disciples take the lead. When he was coming, he walked on water. And so he had the ability to bend the elements at his will. Do you agree? In fact, we have seen it in scripture. A man called Philip. The Bible says God needed to move him from point A to point B, and suddenly he was caught up in the spirit. He disappeared from one place and appeared at another place. So God can do it. But when God wanted to show them another dimension of who Jesus was, he didn't cause them to disappear from the valley to just appear on the mountaintop. They had to walk and climb to the top of the mountain, one step at a time. That is the process God uses to incubate men and to make men through the encounters that they will, they will receive. One step here, one step there. And then you are climbing. And then we are ascending. And then we are going up. The Bible says, God is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The roles are clearly defined. It is God's job to be the rewarder. It is your job to do the seeking. The Lord can't seek for you and reward you at the end of the day. In fact, what he has done is that he has rigged the system for us because he has said that, and you will seek me and you will find me. So he has already ensured that once you are seeking him, you can find him. But you need to seek him diligently so that he can reward you for seeking him. Are you with me now? Yes, 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 yes. And, and in this month, if there's something, look at somebody who says something must change about you. Look, people who know you from the past must see you and say, no, there's something different about you. Something must change. Something must break in your life. Something must be dislocated. 
some of us are too sensitive. Like, we are too sensitive. Too emotional. If you are emotional, you can't walk with me. Like, you are sensitive. Because I hurt your feelings every day. You need to break sensitive. You are too sensitive. Too emotional. Like what, what the flesh has to say. To, like, so everything that passes, you are falling in love. Like you are too sensitive. You fall in love like you drink water. It's not your fault. You see, the, the, the Bible says that man was created from the dust of the ground. So there's a connection between you and the world around you. And that is why we are very, very sensitive to things around us. But this is the problem. When the spirit of the Lord that was breathed into man, for man to become a living soul, is activated on your inside, that sensitivity begins to die. Because God is looking for dead men to work with. The Bible says, and he that will come after me must pick up his own cross daily and follow me. It says daily, not today, not only yesterday, not only to every day. Because consistency is, ne- is a necessity for growth in the spirit. Hallelujah. So, so some of you must kill that. Must kill it. I remember I was having a conversation, a prayer with God that some time ago and I was telling him, you know, I don't want people to know me too much because there are too many people on the internet. They will insult you right now. And when they insult me to touch my heart and God said, I'm not ready. But they must insult you. But your ability to let that, you know, wrap up you and just keep moving is what is telling me that you are growing. I said, then let them bring it on. Are you with me? Some of you, when you hear somebody has said something, you are too, you are like, what is wrong with you? Your flesh has received too much potency and is fighting against your life and against your rising. When you are intimate with God, He works on you, He breaks you. One step, look, you think climbing to the top of the mountain is easy. Before you get there, you are tired, you are drained. That's why the Bible says when they got there, they started sleeping. Yeah. They started sleeping because they were tired. And, and here comes Moses. And here comes Elijah, and they reveal themselves to Jesus. And the Bible says that after, after that, all that thing had happened, and um, um, Peter and Co. woke up, and Peter began to speak. You didn't even fully see the transformation and the transfiguration that was happening, but he felt a need to speak. And he said, you know what, the way the thing has happened, let's build three churches, three tabernacles, one for Jesus, one for Moses, one for Elijah, so that, you know, we can worship here. And, and when he was speaking, the Bible said the heavens opened. And God spoke from heaven and said, This is my beloved son. Hear him. Keep quiet. Let the one that has been graced be the one to speak. We are entering a season in this world where the Lord is raising men who will speak and he will compel people to listen to. The days of storytelling on the pulpit are over. The days where people who have nothing to say and don't even know what they are talking about and yet they are talking are over. The Lord is raising spirit-filled people who will speak and demons will leave. Who will speak and sicknesses leave. Who will speak and solutions are released into the lives of men. Those people are coming. And you see, it doesn't matter how old or how young they are because the Lord has trusted in some very old people 
but they have become so experienced in their work with him that now they are doing things by experience but I see the Lord raising a lot of young people who are on fire with him who, are, who, have, who have not sacrificed things unto the enemy but they are just working with him faithfully and I see God using them to be a blessing to this generation somebody shout yes the Bible says and this Peter said not knowing what he was even talking about where read your Bible. He said, he was saying this, not even knowing what he was talking about. People, there are times you listen to certain messages and you are wondering, what are they talking about? What are they even talking about? Hallelujah. There is nobody who by God's grace has heard a message from this place and has not gone like, I want more. And has not gone like, How, where has he been? Yeah, 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 yeah. If you like, Find any of your people who say they go to church. Find any of the messages on podcast on random and send it to them. Say, listen carefully and come back to me. There are people, they don't know what they are talking about. You see, because you can easily talk about a presence you have never felt before. I mean, when we went to secondary school, we all did integrated science. They, they, they showed, they, I mean, we read about pipettes and read about titration and read about, um, I don't even know what it means, but we just chewed it and wrote it. Are, are you with me now? Without understanding fully what we're writing, because it was a textbook that taught us to, and so people have read things in scripture about the presence. They don't know what the presence actually entails. Some of them think the presence is goosebumps. So they are talking about things they have no idea about. They don't, they don't understand. They're like Peter, he's talking about that thing, he doesn't even know what he's talking about. People are talking about the prophetic ministry. They don't even understand it. I feel like preaching this morning. It's still a month of solutions and answers. Listen, if you are ready to, you know, sacrifice it all for God, be intimate with God. There are things that will happen to you, for you and around you. It will blow your mind. I want you to lift up your right hand. Your prayer, today our prayer is simple. Number one, that may I know you more. That's your prayer. That's, that's your prayer this morning. That I will know you more. That's your prayer. Lift up your voice. Shada bragadus. Labaradi solagadas. Mandele goradi salagatas. Legrado shalapradi santoni malagada. Zagado li pradisa Leko paradaba shandaba Want to pray again you are saying God I'm tired of playing church I'm tired of play acting in church and now I want to long after you as the deer panted for.
the water so my soul longs after you. You want to say, Father, from today, I, I want to love you for real. I want to live for you for real. I want to hunger and thirst after you for real. Not playing in church, not being co- more concerned about things in church than of you. That your power and your presence and your glory shall be real to me. That I will feel you and walk with you all the days of my life. Whether you give me bread or not, that I will long after you. Lift up your voice, begin to pray right now. Please rise to your feet, everybody, with your eyes closed. Panted for what a so much longer to be. Lift up your voice. For listening to the Apostle Josiah Aubin Jr. For more of these messages, please subscribe to his podcast and SoundCloud. It's Apostle Josiah Aubin Jr. To interact with him, like his page on Facebook, follow him on Twitter at Apostle Josiah Aubin Jr.